content of this advertising. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, there's some very startling things about the times in which we now live. It begins, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth. Not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So Jesus is speaking to them about a great catastrophic crisis that's going to come upon Israel. We know that that was fulfilled when Titus came and attacked Jerusalem, A.D. 70, and burned the city and cast the walls down. Well, they came to him privately, and they said, Tell us, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they're asking two questions. One, what will be the end of the age, and when will this temple be destroyed? Jesus answers them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. All of this is happening now. These words are being fulfilled even as we are in this broadcast today. Then he says, You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. That's happening today as well. Even in America, Christians are hated, and the persecutions have begun even in the freedom of America. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Well, what is a false prophet? A prophet is one who, who foretells. Or a prophet is one who forth-tells. A prophet doesn't just prophesy about the future. He also talks about the gospel now, or the relationship with God now. The book of Matthew, we're being told, many are going to come and lie to you about your relationship with God. And many people will be deceived because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That word in the Greek, grow cold, is a verb. 
It means literally to breathe gently upon, to chill slowly. To chill slowly so that you don't even sense what's happening in your life, but you are led more and more into the darkness. I said to a young man yesterday, are you a sold-out Christian or are you a cultural Christian? He said, well, those are terms I've not heard before. What do they mean? I said, a sold-out Christian is one who has been made righteous by the blood of Jesus and they no longer choose to walk in any darkness. They are given utterly, totally, and completely to the will of God. I said, the cultural Christian is one who attends church, perhaps, has an interest in the gospel of Jesus, but has never crossed the line and said, okay, I'm a Christian, and my behavior will reflect the reality of my position in Christ. He said, I think I'm more of the latter. He said, I've not sold out to Jesus. I still walk in the ways of the world, but I am a Christian. That's what this passage of Scripture has reference to. A man who has been blown upon by the coldness of wickedness, and he doesn't even know how wicked his heart is. But he's a Christian. And then the book of Matthew goes on. Let me read it for you. In verse 30, this is preceded by the prophecy of the distress of those days at the end of time. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations on earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Let's be very clear. Jesus is coming again. Loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. And if you have grown cold of heart, and you are lukewarm, and you have not sold out your life totally and completely to Jesus Christ, there's no possibility of your salvation. I asked a question yesterday at the National Prayer Chapel at the conclusion of our prayer time. I said, tell me, not a trick question, are you under the law? People were not quite sure how to answer that question. One gentleman, I thought, rather wisely answered the question. We are always under the law of God. 
But if we are not walking in sin, we are not under the penalty of the law. We have been set free. Now, I know the teaching in the modern church today, the false teaching, is that the law has been done away with and you can live any way you choose to live as long as you confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. No, if a person is sinning, they are under the condemnation of the law. If a person is walking washed and clean in Jesus Christ, he is not under the condemnation of the law. I'll read that to you just very quickly so that you have a point of reference for what I'm saying. It's found in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, what does it mean that I have been set free from the law of sin and death? It means that I no longer walk in sin. I have been set free of sin, and I've been set free of death, and I have been set free by the law of the Spirit of life. For what the law was powerless to do, what was it powerless to do? It was powerless to make me righteous. If you remember in the first chapter of the book of Romans, it speaks about another source for righteousness other than the law. A righteousness that comes from God, that is not of the law. Romans 8, 3, For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering or to be an atonement offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. So he's saying Jesus came and he condemned sin in all sinful men in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. In other words, you no longer, as a Christian, walk in sin. You have been washed and set free by the law of the Spirit of life. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. 
The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. You see, this is real righteousness. The only way you can be set free of the law is to be made righteous, to be made righteous, not declared righteous. That's the glory of the New Testament. Now, this message of holiness and righteousness must be proclaimed at this end of time. And in Matthew, it talks about a final... Let me turn to it again quickly. It speaks in Matthew about a final proclamation of the gospel. It says... And this gospel of the kingdom, that is the gospel that I'm sharing with you, the gospel of righteousness and holiness being utterly given over to Jesus, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. So this message must be proclaimed of an end to sin for Christians. Christians who continue in their sin are not saved. They are not found in Christ. They're found in religion. They're found in the church. But you cannot be in Christ and in sin at the same time. Now, who will proclaim this final message this gospel message of holiness, who will proclaim this? We're told in the book of Malachi, the fourth chapter, I'll begin with verse 5. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. The book of Malachi is prophesying that at the end of time there will be proclaimed an Elijah message. And that Elijah message is powerful in turning the hearts of disobedient children to their parents. It is a message that will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to their children. This is a description in Malachi of righteousness. Righteousness. 
of being restored in the family relationship, of being established in a holy family setting. So it will be an Elijah company that proclaims this final gospel hour. It will be an Elijah message that brings revival and reformation in America. Now, when we study carefully 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, in way of review of last week's messages, the Elijah company is marked in very specific ways. I want to give to you quickly six principles of reality for the Elijah company. Number one, Elijah absolutely refused to compromise with sin. There was no part of his heart that desired to walk in disobedience against the living God of heaven. And so he could go boldly into the presence of the wicked king Ahab and his bride, his queen Jezebel, and he could proclaim, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. He is being very bold in saying, I serve the Lord, the God of Israel. I serve the one God of heaven, not Allah. The one God of Israel. He would not compromise. There is only one way of salvation. There are not multiple ways to enter into the kingdom of God. All paths lead to the same place. They lead to the judgment bar of God. At the judgment bar, there is only one atoning sacrifice that will allow you to enter into the kingdom of God, and that is the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If we were in a large room, and suddenly that room began to fill with smoke, And I were to come to the door with a flashlight. And I were to call out to everyone in that room, please, please, there's a fire. If you don't get out of this room, you're going to die. Please follow me. And I lit the flashlight and I said, please follow the light. Would you be angry at me or would you follow the light? Well, I can assure you, you would follow the light. Well, this earth is going to burn. There is only one light. That light is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the light of the world. The second mark of the Elijah company is that they begin to intercede and to cry out before God 
asking God to bring judgment unto repentance upon the nation that they are a part of. They cry out asking not for judgment unto destruction because their hearts are filled with compassion and with love. I am not an anti-government person. I love America. I love all parts of America. I love our Constitution. I love our Declaration of Independence. I love our government. I am not an anti-government person. And I do not wish in any way to see America destroyed. So I do not pray for judgment unto destruction upon our land. I pray for President Obama, but I do not pray for his destruction. I pray for judgment in his life that will bring him into full repentance for what he has done to destroy America. The third mark, the third mark of the Elijah Company is that they will not be the rich and the famous. They will be the hidden away ones. They will be the men and women who know how to go into the prayer closet and touch the throne of God on behalf of the lost and the dying. Now the the next mark of the Elijah company is that God will provide for them. He will give to them the resources necessary to continue moving forward with the gospel proclamation. I've been standing this month that the Lord God of heaven would move in the hearts of many people to contribute the necessary funds so that this radio broadcast could remain on the air. I want to report to you today that those funds are now all in place. I will be sending a check to the radio station with all of the monies that you have donated because God has made provision for the radio broadcast for this month. And we will begin March 1 with the broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress because we have trusted in the Lord to move in your heart. He has done so. And you have not given out of selfishness in the hopes of getting a book or tapes or CDs. You have simply given generously out of your heart. I praise God for you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. You are a part of the Elijah Company. I praise God for you. Now, number five. This is not a mark of the Elijah Company, but it is a mark of the necessity of the Elijah Company. It is a mark of the necessity of having an Elijah Company. And that mark is that the rain has stopped 
in the church of today. In America, the rain has stopped. The Holy Spirit has withdrawn His presence. There are many good things being taught. I listened to a pastor this morning by the name of Jack Graham. He gave a tremendous teaching on Esther, Queen Esther. I enjoyed his presentation. But I listened and I prayed and I said, Lord, no one will be convicted of their sin by this broadcast. He doesn't understand that the rain has stopped, even in his own sermon. The greatest sorrow of my heart is that the rain has stopped in America. Yes, it stopped in my sermons too. And I am constantly now on my face before God asking for the rain. But I know that before the rain comes, there has to be number six. There must be a Mount Carmel. The Mount Carmel experience of the Elijah Company comes out of a great calamity in the nation. I was listening to a financial guru this last week, and he was asked the question, when will America wake up? This financial person who is very wise said, America will wake up on the day when they go to their ATM and they cannot withdraw any money. When the banks are all closed and they do not have enough money to go buy their food, America will awaken and it will be too late. Well, I don't agree with him that it will be too late. Because I do not believe that God is going to bring judgment unto destruction upon this land. Not yet. He will, if we do not repent, and if we do not turn from wickedness, He will bring that final judgment and America will burn. In one day, America will burn. I don't want that to happen. And so I come recognizing that the rain has stopped in America. I think I shared with you Pastor David Wilkerson saying to me, Ray, you must simply go in the anointing you have because the anointing power of the Holy Spirit is almost totally removed from America. I think he was being kind. I think the Spirit has been grieved from the modern church. There may be a few pockets in places. I know this past Sunday, and I know on this broadcast, often, almost always, the Holy Spirit will fall, and conviction begins to go forth in men and women's hearts, and I praise God for that. But it's nowhere near the level of power that's necessary to turn a nation back to God. And that's what I'm crying out for. And so there will be a great calamity in America, whether it will be the 
crashing of our dollar, whether it will be a great catastrophic earthquake that will decimate a portion of our nation. I don't know what it will be. I just know that God's people are not going to wake up until there's a great calamity. And at that point, there will be a call by this pastor to come to Mount Carmel. I don't know where that Mount Carmel will be. But the Lord has spoken to me regarding that. And so I come now, hidden away on this very small AM radio, waiting for God to open the FM and to open national FM. But first, he's going to have to move in the hearts of people who can make that happen financially. I know the time is coming when there will be another Mount Carmel. So let's talk about what happened at Mount Carmel. It was after a long time of calamity. An agrarian culture being destroyed because no plants could be put out. No seed would produce. There was no rain. Three years and there is no rain. And people are now beginning to die of starvation. Elijah has been tucked away in the home of Jezebel, in her home country. She never thought to send anyone to look for him there. He has been hidden by the hand of God with the widow of Zarephath. Now you wonder about that, don't you? Was it proper for him to live with a widow? I don't know what the Lord would do, but he told him to go live there. Now Elijah is told to go and present yourself to Ahab, and the Lord said, I will send rain on the land. Now I'm standing by faith that the word of God is going to come, and he's going to say, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to America. I am going to raise up in America the Elijah Company, and I'm going to send forth my spirit with them, and they are going to confront this nation and call it back to holiness, to righteousness, and this cheap, trivial belief that you can be saved in the midst of your sin is going to be utterly cast out. It's going to be cast out. And those who have been preaching this message will either repent and turn and proclaim the true gospel or they will be cut off. Now as Ahab meets Elijah, he says to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah very boldly speaks back to this wicked king, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. 
Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. In other words, bring your whole army of spiritual advisors. We're going to have a shootout at the OK Corral. There's going to be a time now where there is a question, who is God? We're going to answer that question once and for all. That same question is going to have to be answered by men and women as the Elijah company goes forth in power and the anointing of the Spirit. They all assembled at Mount Carmel. Elijah goes before the people and he says, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. Utterly passive. Passive. Content to come and watch the show. Content to be spectators. The church today is filled with passive people who come for the show to get their their little ticket punched and stand around and talk about worldly foolishness while they're getting their ticket punched. Just like these people. They say nothing. They don't stand up for the God of heaven and say, He is God. No, they say, well, let's watch and see what happens. Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. Baal has 450 prophets. So get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, what you say is good. Astonishing. A direct, head-on confrontation between darkness and light. Do you need in your life a direct head-on confrontation between light and darkness? Have you resolved in your heart to be a part of the Elijah company, or are you still passively sitting by saying, I'll listen to Pastor Ray, but I'm not sold out? What do you need to see to finally say, the Lord, He is God. What do you need to see happen in your life before you're going to be willing to confess that all power, glory, and authority rest in the hands of Jesus Christ, that He has absolute control and authority over your life, and he can either bring you into the kingdom of God or he can cast you into the fires of hell. Your life is in his hands to do with as he chooses. 
Have you rebelled against him? Have you grown casual about Jesus? Is your focus on the entertainment of the day? On the video games of the day? Is your focus on the worldliness of our day? Is your heart cry for the pleasure of this world, or is your heart cry for Jesus Christ? Do you need to see a demonstration of God's power in your life? Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it. And since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. I'm sure they were accustomed to Baal answering. But his power was subservient to the Lord God of heaven. They danced around the altar they had made. And finally at noon, Elijah begins to taunt them, shouting, Shout louder! Surely he is God! Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy, or maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and you have to wake him up. So they shouted louder. And then they began to slash themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until the blood flowed. That's also the custom of Islam and many other pagan religions. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And Elijah made the most profound invitation. He said to the people, Come here to me. A kindly father saying, Please come here to me. A mark of the Elijah company is that they do not condemn people, but rather they speak kindly an invitation. Come here to what is holy. They came close and they watched as he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in total ruin. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. The Elijah company is going to say, Please, come here to me. Listen to the word I'm speaking to you. I am going to build again the altar of God. And you shall be called Israel, meaning overcomer. You cannot be an overcomer 
and worship money. Worship Baal. Come here to me, he says. And he rebuilds the altar. And then he does something that seems strange to everyone. He begins to dig a trench around the altar. Then he arranged the wood and he cut the bull into pieces and he laid it on the, on the wood. And then he said to them, I want you to go fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Let's soak it. Do it again, he said. And they did it. a third time, he said, let's do it a third time. So much so that the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Now it is absolutely impossible for anyone to say that he is going to slip a light into that altar. The time of sacrifice, three o'clock in the afternoon. The prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that the people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire fell. Fire came down from God out of heaven. It burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil. Even the water in the trench it licked up. And all the people, when they saw this, fell prostrate. And they cried, The Lord. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, he is God. Jesus is the Lord. He is the God of heaven and earth. He is the creator God. He is the bread of life. His blood is real drink. His broken body is real food. Do you want to be a part of the Elijah company? Are you willing to lay down your own personal agenda? Are you willing to turn aside from all darkness? Are you willing to walk clean before God? Are you willing to be hidden away and insignificant, having given up all hope of being somebody in this world? Do you need recognition, fawning over, petting? If so, you're unfit for the Elijah company. Do you have a great work for God that you have to do and so you're on your way to be somebody? 
then you cannot be a part of the Elijah Company. The Elijah Company is made up of those men and women like Elijah who lay it all down, who lay down all of their ideas, all of their ambitions, all of their promises. They lay down all of their expectations. They lay down all of their accusations. And they wait on Jesus. They wait on Jesus. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go say this to Ahab. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go to the brook Cherith. After it dried up, the, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go now to Zarephath, to the widow. There he's safe. The oil and the, and the flour do not run out. He's under the protecting hand of Almighty God. And then the word of God comes to him and says, Go back to Ahab. Tell Ahab, I'm going to send the rain. That requires a Mount Carmel. You don't have the rain without the Mount Carmel. There has to be a place where we finally come to terms with the reality that Jesus is God and none other is. That Jesus alone holds your future in his hands and none other. And you must decide... Will you be hidden away with Jesus Christ? And will you walk with him faithfully until he brings you forth to proclaim the Elijah message to a dying world? Our telephone number here in studio today is 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero. You're welcome to call. I'd be happy to speak with you or to pray with you. Eight seven seven five three four zero seven eight zero. Now I know that the way of the Lord is right. And all other roads are wrong. Do you know that today? And would you like to take a position today that would say, Jesus, I want to sell out to you. I want you to control my life. I'm going to give it all to you. 877-543-0780. 877-534-0780. Now, as we're coming into the closing minutes of today's broadcast, I want to invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.org. 
com. Sunday's service is there, and many videos are available. I invite you to go and listen and pray. You can subscribe on your iPhone or your Android. You're welcome to use any of the material free of charge. It is not copyrighted. It belongs to the Lord Jesus. So you can share CDs. You can burn CDs. I want the word to go forth. I don't own the words. They belong to Jesus. Now I'd also like to get a start on next month, I'm going to give you the address where you can write and send both tithes and offerings as the Holy Spirit prompts you. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, we worship on Sunday at the All Saints Anglican Church. They rent space to us. They have been very gracious and kind, along with the Emmanuel Anglican Church, another wonderful, friendly body of Christ with a wonderful children's program. That Anglican church is located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. We meet on Sundays at 12 noon for prayer and intercession and then at 12.30, begin our service. Drive around to the back side of the All Saints Anglican Church. Come in. There's a large white sign. It says Lower Lobby. Come in on the ground level into the lower lobby, double glass doors, and you'll find immediately on your left the worship center for the National Prayer Chapel. Now, we also meet on Tuesday evenings, prayer time, 6.30 p.m. At 7.30, we begin sharing and interceding together, usually a teaching. You're welcome to come. It's located in the same place at the All Saints Anglican Church. Now let's pray. Lord, I know that you are calling for an Elijah company. Brave, courageous men and women who will lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel. Men and women who will lay their lives down to wait upon you, Jesus, until the hour has come for the deliverance of America. Lord, I pray today for America. I pray for our nation to turn from its evil ways. 
I pray that you would stop the dying, the wars, the unjust treatment. I ask, Lord, that you would close the doors to the devil's power over our leaders. Lord, I cry out today for each person who has listened to this broadcast. I ask that you would quicken their spirit now by your Holy Spirit, that you would convict them of any area of disobedience in their heart, and that you would bring them to a very sharp focus on Jesus alone that you would cause our eyes to be upon you, Jesus, that you would be the only one we would see, the only one we would be loyal to, that we would seek after you with all of our heart and all of our might, because you said if we would seek after you, we would find you. Lord, would you come now quickly? I thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm looking forward to seeing the men and women that God will now bring to shape and form an Elijah company. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus.